For many of you, this series has been an inspiration to you, our, our hope and prayer that it, it is an encouragement to you. For some of you, it may be a challenge. It's been a challenge to talk about or to dive into the, the aspect of giving. And we talked about a number of reasons why we talk about giving. In fact, last week, if you were here, Pastor Christian talked about four clear reasons that why we would take time to talk about giving. And the first one is it's pragmatic. There, there, there's, a, there's a very real need that this church has uh, for giving, whether it's ministries that are going outside the church, whether it's ministries happening within the church, whether it's things uh, within the church, uh, worship services, our lights, our, our sound, our worship experiences, all those things uh, require money. There's a pragmatic need. There's a, there's a practical need uh, for giving. And the folks that started this church were very generous. They understood that there was a need for a church uh, in this community and were generous. And many of you are still with us on that mission as you recognize the need and give. This church is a very generous church, so we talk about it in a very practical and real way. Churches throughout time have talked about it because of the need that they have. In fact, one pastor stood before the congregation and said, I've got bad news, good news, and more bad news. The bad news is, is that the roof is leaking and we need a new roof. The good news is, is that we have all the money in the church right now to fix that roof. The bad news is, is that it's still in your pockets, all right? <laughs> there are needs that we have. There are needs that we have. Some might say, well, man, I can't believe that you would ask and talk about giving. And I thought about that because there's not much difference in, in talking about the needs that we have in the children's ministry or the needs that we have uh, for folks to, to worship and sing. In fact, those are gifts that the Lord has given to those people to do those very things, to, to work in the children's ministry, to work in our technical booth. It would be no different to talk about money or ask you to give than to ask Dave to sing a song. Nobody's asking me to sing a song. Right? No difference in asking Pastor Christian to give a sermon. That is his gift. God has given us gifts to use for his kingdom. Some of us, he's given the ability to produce great wealth to give. And so to talk about that is a very reasonable thing. God expects us to use what has been given for his kingdom. And that's what we talked about a few weeks ago, that not only is it pragmatic, but it's scriptural as well. That Jesus commands us to give, and we talked about the parable of the talents. If you remember that parable we spoke about a few weeks ago, that uh, the master gave servants five talents. One he gave two talents, and another he gave another one talent, and he expected them to use that talent or that money to, to, to put it to work. It's the same thing when the Lord gives us, provides for us, that he expects us to use it. And we talked about the fact that everything that we have comes from God, that God has given us, given it to use for his kingdom, and that the church is the primary way that he advances his kingdom. So there's a scriptural component to giving, which leads us really to our third point, which Christian spoke about last week, that it's theological. It's our view of God that prompts us to give a certain way. And when we have a healthy view of God, 
We can give in a certain way. We can give freely. We can give reliably, extravagantly, and expectantly. We can give freely, joyfully, reliably, consistently. That we can give extravagantly. There are some that are giving that can give even more. There are some that are, uh, we can give expectantly, knowing that the Lord's going to provide us more to give back. But it's our view of God that we talk about giving, because when we have the right view of God, we can give the right way. That's a theological aspect of giving. And so this week, we wrap up with the fourth aspect. The fourth aspect is that it's spiritual. Spiritual. This is a very different idea because, in this aspect, it, it's what is the result to us, right? What is the result when we give? See, we're always looking for results of things in life, right? We, when we go on a diet, we expect that we will lose weight, right? You wouldn't go on a diet not to expect not to lose weight. We expect certain things in life when, when we do things. We expect things to happen when we, when we work on a, a sport. If you're in school, we practice hard. We expect to be better at that sport. When we invest our money, we expect a return. The, the question is, is when we give, what is the result? The result is spiritual growth. Say, well, what's spiritual growth? Spiritual growth is really growing in our understanding of God and his plan for our lives. You know, when we talk about the mission of this church, we we talk about that this church is about building disciples. Very first phrase, building disciple. What's a disciple? A disciple is one who follows after the Lord. So when we give, there's a result to giving. There's There's an increase in spiritual growth. The bigger the investment, the higher the return. When our giving increases, our spiritual growth increases. How does it increase? The first way it increases, that's what we want to focus on here today, is first off, our trust increases. Our trust increases. See, giving is hard for many of us. Some of us, giving comes very naturally. Some of us live in a constant state of fear or worry or anxiety. It's more prevalent today than ever. We're worried that we don't have enough. We won't have enough or we can't provide enough. And so we live in this fear. Trust is a hard thing for us. And when it comes to giving, giving is a a sacrifice. In fact, I often would say that it's not really giving if it's not a sacrifice. In Psalms, King David wanted to make a sacrifice to God. And so a man named Aranua came, and Aranua said, David, I'm going to provide with, for you everything you need for the sacrifice, the land, the wood, the altar, the animals, everything. All in First Samuel lays out that he said, he said, listen, I'm going to provide everything for you for the sacrifice. And David's response was classic in relation to the, to the sacrifice needed. He says this in 2 Samuel 24, 24, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which costs me nothing. In other words, it wasn't a sacrifice. See, when we give, we give as a sacrifice, and it causes us to trust because we are fearful that we're not going to have enough. It's interesting when we look at the culture around us, so we're always talking about having enough, having enough money, 
having enough to provide. We have investors and, and folks trying to put plans for us together that we will have enough nest egg right, to provide. And the Lord talks about the idea of building that up and trusting that alone. We see this in Luke 12. Look what it says in Luke 12. And he, Jesus, told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So here's a man with, with great wealth. He's got a lot of money. He wants to know what to do with it. So he's thinking, I, I've got to find a place to store all this. It says in verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that the dream many of us have, right? Just to store it up so we can, we can eat, drink, and be merry. It's the idea when we look towards our retirement, we have enough in our nest egg to, to take life easy or to build up our accounts now. But here's, look what the parable goes on to say. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Why does he store these things up? Because he's fearful that he's not going to have enough. He's fearful that he's not going to be able to uh, have enough to provide. And so what he's doing, he's building it on his own because that's where he puts his trust. And God says, you fool. It could be taken away from you. Then what are you going to do? Let me ask you. If you knew that you had an unlimited supply of financial and material resources from which to give, regardless of how generous you were in deploying them, you would never run out with the amount that you give change. In other words, if your well of material possessions would never run dry, would you gladly increase how much water you were drawing it from? Most of us would say, yes, absolutely. You see, we build it up ourselves because we want to trust it, but the Lord is saying, listen, I have the money for you. That's, Paul understood this. Paul understood this in 2 Corinthians 9 when he's talking to the Corinthian church. Look what he says. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Isn't that a great verse? Knowing that we don't have to be fearful in storing it up ourselves, that the, the Lord's going to provide. That's the trust that we have. My wife, Deb, is a wonderfully trusting person. She's inspired me to give. She talked about how when she was in college, she was at church and they were talking about trust. And she tells a story that she had $10, $10. And she didn't have enough gas to get back to her college, but she really felt like the Lord was going to provide. And so as the offering came by, she put the $10 in the plate and then she only had enough gas to get back to her house, not to college, which she lived nearby. So she went home, and her dad, when she walked in, said, Deb, I really felt like you needed um, some money, so he gave her a $50 bill. That was a miracle upon miracles right there, right? 
And then so she got gas and she went back to the church that evening because youth group was that night and she was a youth uh, director and she was working with the youth and one of the parents came in and said, Deb, I, I really felt like you needed uh, money. I want to provide for you. So she, they gave her another $50 bill. It's amazing because the trust that Deb had to give first knowing that the Lord was going to provide. And that's what Paul was saying, that, the, that God's going to is able to bless you abundantly. So in all things, at all times, you have all that you need. When we trust, God provides for us and he blesses us in abundance. The man named R.J. Latornu, he is a gentleman known for giving. He was a designer and builder of large uh, moving equipment, the big earth moving equipment. And by the latter part of his life, he was well known to be giving away 90% of his uh, income and living on only 10%. Giving away 90, living on 10. Yet his net worth continued to climb. So a gentleman once asked him, he said, Mr. Latornu, how is it that you are giving 90% of your income away, yet you continue to get richer? And his answer is classic in relation to his equipment. He said, I shovel it out, and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. Right? <laughs> Why? Because God is able to bless us abundantly. That's the trust that we have. Can we be totally honest? Our greatest fear in giving is that we might not have enough not have enough for retirement, not have enough for college, not have enough for our, our vacations, not have enough for the fun things we want to do, not have enough for our bills to be paid. This is the fear that we have. And Frank said, no one has ever become poor by giving. I love that because the idea is, is that we trust. We trust that the Lord's going to provide for us. That's what deepens our relationship. In fact, I, after a few weeks ago, after we, we talked about the scriptural aspect of giving, some gentleman sent me an email, it was a wonderful email, and said, Jared, I'm really struggling with the idea of giving. Is it true that if I can begin to give, my relationship with the Lord will grow closer? I said, absolutely. It's the idea of giving. That's the idea of spiritual growth that happens because there's a trust that develops. And because there's a trust that develops, because our trust increases, our devotion increases as well. Our devotion increases as well. Giving is a hard thing for us to do. And because we can give, a lot of times we, we don't feel like giving, but it penetrates our hearts, our hearts are changed, and then we can give freely, reliably, extravagantly, expectantly. But it, it's a matter of the heart changing. It's a matter of the heart. This whole aspect of giving is a matter of the heart. And the Lord wants us to grow in devotion to him. That's the goal. It's not about the giving. It's not about the money. It's about the Lord growing closer to you during this time. You growing closer in your knowledge and understanding of him and his plan for your life. This was evident when the Lord was speaking to a rich young ruler in Matthew 19. And this rich man who comes up to Jesus asks a question that many of us would ask. He says, teacher, what Good things must I do to get eternal life? Right. What a great question. 
Jesus? What, what good things must I do? What, what do I need to do to get eternal life? I always wondered if I was face-to-face with Jesus, the one question I would ask. This is the question this man asks. Many of you are asking the same thing. What one thing do I need to do? You see, this man who was really wealthy, he was aware of what he did not have and needed to receive, namely eternal life, but he was not willing to admit what he did have, which was sin that he needed to get rid of in his life. He had too much spiritual pride to acknowledge that his whole life fell short of God's holiness. He's therefore looking for what God, what he needed to do for God. What one thing that he needed to, to do, what law, what obligation that he needed to do. Many of us grow up in churches where there is, a, there is a focus on giving as a religious obligation and people give out of guilt. So this man was looking for one more rule to follow. And Jesus' response was this. If you, we go on to read Matthew 19. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And I love his response. All these I've kept, right? The young man said, what do I still lack? How bold is that, right? Jesus says, hey, listen, you you want to be good? Follow these commands. And the man is so arrogant. He says, yep, done that. Now what, right? Now what? He wanted another commandment, another formula, another rite of of ceremony. And Jesus goes into the commandments. He says, listen, have you done all these things? And the man says, yes. And then he goes on to say in Matthew 21, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. In the context here, the word perfect is the the Greek word teleos, which is translated as complete or mature. Jesus was saying, listen, if you truly desire eternal life, prove your sincerity in selling your possessions and giving to the poor. If you you truly want to live up to the Mosaic law and be perfect, you got to love their neighbor as himself and do whatever Jesus commands, including, including giving all you had to them. Understand this, this man's willingness to obey the commands would not merit salvation, but would be evidence that he desired salvation above everything else as a priceless treasure that no sacrifice would be too great. Go and sell, then come follow. The ultimate test is for this man was, was who's going to be the Lord of your life? Your money or me? It's the question Jesus asks us today. Who's going to be the Lord of your life? Your money or me? You see, the trust happens first, but there's got to be a complete devotion, a radical transformation of the heart. It's not that this man could not follow. In fact, he could have sold his possessions and gave to the poor. It's not that he could not, it's that he would not because his heart wasn't changed. And therefore, it says in Matthew 19, 22, when this young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He was sad. He came to Jesus looking for eternal life and left without it because he, des- he didn't desire eternal life. He didn't desire devotion to the Lord more than his possessions. And so he walked away sad. 
That's why Jesus says, goes on to say, I, I tell you the truth. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's not impossible. That verse doesn't say it's impossible, it's just hard. Why? Because the more we have, the more we trust in that. And the more we trust in that, the more we trust in our own self. And the more we trust in our own self, the less trust we have in the Lord. The more we're devoted to money, the less we're devoted to the Lord. That's why it's hard. It's not impossible, it's just hard. Because people don't want to give up their material possessions to follow Christ. It's interesting when you read this passage, you'll note that Jesus had another encounter with another rich man who did exactly the opposite of this rich man. There's a clear example of, a, of another person, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a, was a tax collector. He's a very wealthy person. And when Jesus called him, he, he came down. Zacchaeus was up in a tree. He was a wee little man. If you know that song from Sunday school, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was up in a tree. Some people are laughing, yes. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and he, he calls Zacchaeus down out of the tree. And spontaneously, Zacchaeus volunteered to do essentially what Jesus commanded the rich young ruler to do in Luke 19. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation comes to this house. Understand this, Zacchaeus was saved because he recognized he was lost and looked to Jesus as his master. If we don't reject ourselves and embrace Jesus, we don't experience spiritual growth. It, it, it's the difference between those lives who have been transformed by Jesus and those that haven't. You can come to Jesus, and we do, come to Jesus asking all the right questions. Jesus, why should I give? How should I give? But be sad because Jesus needs a radical transformation in our lives, something, of a, something that many of us don't want to give up. He wants a radical transformation. Jesus doesn't want us to give a nickel until first and foremost, we are committed to him and him alone. We understand that we are sinners in need of a savior and that Jesus Christ came to earth to die on the cross for us and rise again, the penalty that we deserve. So we are completely devoted to him. You see, when the trust happens, when we begin to trust, our devotion increases as well in all aspects of life. It's not only about the giving, it's about all aspects of life. We begin to be devoted to Christ in our calling, in our workplace, in our home life, in our marriages, with our children. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to have a radical transformation in our own life. Stop trusting in yourself to get by. Stop trusting in what you can do. Trust in what I can do for you. Our devotion increases our trust increases, and when we begin to give freely, joyfully, reliably, extravagantly, when we can give out of our own heart because, of, because the devotion is there, then our impact increases as well. Our impact increases. I love what Hebrews 10, 24 says. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You want another, another result of giving? Our impact. It encourages others to give as well. That's why we tell stories. 
That's why we celebrate things happening here at the church. It's not that we're bragging about what's going on. It's we are celebrating what God is doing with the resources that we're given. When we celebrate things like the marathon that we did a few weeks ago and World Vision and the money that was raised, this church is so generous in raising over $110,000 and the clapping that happens, right? Why are we excited about that? Because we are excited about what God is doing with the amount of money that we're giving because it's impacting thousands of people in Africa. And what happens is the more we were giving, the more people started to give more. That is the impact that we have when we give. That's why we tell stories. Last week, Christian talked about a story of a gentleman named Craig who, who gave some stock of Apple. And he said, Christian, tell the story, not because he wanted Christian to brag about him, not because he wanted to put himself up on a pedestal. It's because he wanted to inspire others to give. That's what we're hoping that you do. When I tell stories about what Deb did and the giving that she had, the trust that was there, it's to inspire you to give, to inspire us to really trust. Paul understood this too. If we go back to 2 Corinthians, when he's writing to the Corinthian church, he says this, for I know your eagerness to help and I've, I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that we can share stories of all the great things that the Lord is doing here? In a few minutes, we're going to sing about the great things that are happening, great things that the Lord is doing. I want to encourage you, when you go out to this place, when you go out into your communities, celebrate what's going on here at the church. It's a wonderful thing. Because what it's doing is it's inspiring others. It's having a greater impact. Our spiritual growth increases the more we give because our trust increases, our devotion increases, and our impact increases as well. And as we grow as a church, the things that we want to do as we move forward, the ministries, the missions that this church is going to have, it's so fantastic. I'm so excited folks that founded this church had that same vision to say we're going to give and have a church here in summit because we want to impact the community around and the world around us it continues to this day with you you're part of that story and we celebrate that and i hope you can celebrate that with me as we move forward as a church together let's pray lord jesus i thank you for today i thank you that you're doing so many great things here Lord, we thank you for the fact that our giving is not only instructed and commanded by you, but that there's a result to us, that there's a spiritual growth that happens. Lord, I pray that you do draw us closer to you through this discipline of giving, that our trust will increase, that our devotion will increase, and that our impact will also increase. Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can partake in this discipline of giving back to you, Lord. And I thank you too. I thank you for the people, the men and women of this church so many years ago who had that same passion for you. Lord, thank you for their willingness to step out in faith and trust you. Lord, continue to use us. Continue to penetrate our hearts. And Lord, I, I pray for that maybe one, two, three people in here who need a, a radical transformation in their own life. Lord, I pray that right here today that they'll understand their need for a Savior. And they cry out to you to, to save them, to forgive them of their sins. 
so that they can have a relationship with you, a radical transformation of their own heart. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. Be with us in the days ahead. Continue to use us and inspire us. I ask all this in your precious and holy name.